has for us in his word this morning. Glad that you are here and uh, looking forward to just to spend a time together in God's word. I got a new Bible, so I'm trying to break it in. So if I mess with it today, just understand I'm just trying to break it in a little bit. It's good to kind of um, switch it up and uh, try something a little bit different. You say, why do you, why do you switch up Bibles? Because my other ones, I mark them up so much. And what happens is as I'm reading through it during my uh, personal devotions, you know, you just kind of look at what you highlighted, but then you kind of miss out on some other verses. And so I had had a Bible that I had for years, just kind of going through it. And I started noticing that happen. So as soon as that happened, I was like, Oh, time to get a new one just because I want it to always be fresh. So that's just a little trick where you feel like your devotions are kind of dry. Just switch it up. Try to Try to keep it fresh so you never feel like, all right, I got to do my devotions, but it's always something you're learning something new. Uh, well, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Philippians chapter number four or our phones, our iPads, um, tablets, whatever you use to look at the Word of God, your bulletin with the notes in it, whatever you use. My daughter had my iPad this morning. Hopefully she didn't delete the message. There it is. All right. Usually I have it all set up and ready to go. This morning it's taken me just a little while to figure out uh, where that file may have been. Well, we are kicking off, kind of, not kicking off, we're kind of rounding out just this series through the book of Philippians. We're now in chapter 4, we're week number 9, and uh, let next week will be the final week. So those of you that have made it through, that's awesome. I'm curious, how many of you, you've read through on your own, you've read through the book of Philippians before? Anybody like that, you've read through... That is awesome. Man, that is great. I'm always encouraged when I see other people that are just going through, and you'll get a special blessing out of it just going through it on your own. As you read the book, it's four chapters. It's not long. If you haven't read that book, uh, that little book, four chapters, it's a great book just even for your own personal time with the Lord. Well, we're going to jump right into it, and I've entitled this message, The Joy Genome. The Joy Genome. Because through this series, we've been talking about climate change. How do we control the climate, not only in our heart, but then also the climate that is around us? And week after week, we've just been studying about what the Apostle Paul did because he wasn't just uh, uh, practicing, he was living it out. I mean, he's in prison talking about how do you have peace, how do you have joy, how do you have love, how do you have unity, how do you have the right spirit, the right attitude. I mean, he's, he's really just bearing his heart in this letter. And so we kind of get to eavesdrop, be a fly on the wall as we listen to this. And we're going to jump into this again this morning. Because how many of you have ever asked yourself the question, how do I have calm in the middle of crisis? You're going through something, and and other people are saying, it's going to be okay, it'll blow over, just be calm. And I don't know about you, but when people tell me to be calm, it almost just makes it worse. It's almost just like, hey, just give him some space, just give him some time, and it'll be fine. He will calm down, but right now may not be the time to tell him to calm down. Especially when they say, calm down, that just makes it worse. That never works. So if that's your tendency to tell somebody when they're heated to calm down, um, some of you, you, you know the perfect tone of voice. I mean, you can say calm down, and it's so sweet, and it's so nice. But then some of us, we're just like, calm down, shut up, it's going to be okay. You know, that just that didn't work. But some of us, we've asked ourselves that question. But then also, what I really want to deal with this morning is, how do we overcome what's coming over us? 
That's the question I want to really answer this morning. How do we overcome what's coming over us? Because some of us, we've dealt with it. You just feel the cloud coming over. Some of you, you just pull into work and you park the car and all of a sudden you just kind of feel it coming over you. It's not, it may be anxiety, it may be a panic attack, or it may just be like, oh, Lord, help me get through today. And so sometimes you can just be somewhere and all of a sudden you just feel that mood. You just feel that emotion just coming over you. So how do you overcome what's coming over you? Because you can't always stop what's coming over you, but how can you overcome it? Because I believe that God has called us to be overcomers, that we shouldn't just be slave to whatever mood comes over us that we just kind of give into it each and every time. And so this morning, as we look at this passage of scripture, we're going to study that because we meet so many people today, and um, I see it more and more, and I even began to just research it just a little bit to just see how many people are on antidepressants or just things like that, and this message isn't against that. It's just that today, when I read the statistic from Stanford, Harvard, or not Stanford, Harvard, the Harvard Health publication, they came out and they said from 1998 to 2008, just uh, 20 years from 12 years old on up, they've seen an increase of 400% of antidepressant and stress reliever prescription drugs on, on the market. It's increased 400%. Uh, doctors will tell you that 90% of why people go in is stress-related causes. What caused their physical problems is stress-related. And so we live in a day and age where it's very easy in a stressful environment to just get worked up, where you're saying, hey, I need something to help me relax a little bit. I need something to help me kind of calm down. But shouldn't we look at God's word? I'm not saying don't do that stuff. That's fine. This isn't blasting. But this is saying, hey, God's got some stuff to say about it as well that can help us as we tune our hearts and look at what his word says. I was a children's pastor for years and years. And one of the songs we used to sing is, I'm in right, outright, upright, downright, happy all the time. Anybody remember that song? You remember singing it? Yeah, there's a few of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. We're not going to sing it. It's okay. Some of you are like, I'm not raising my hand. He's going to make us sing it. No, 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 no. I'll make you talk to your neighbor, but no, I won't make you sing that song. The only problem, that song is just a lie. We're just setting kids up for failure. They're not always going to be in right, outright, upright, downright happy. It's just not going to happen. And so as, I'm, as I was thinking about this week, I was like, Wow, I just set up all those kids for just failure. You know, they're going to just write me letters. What did you do to me? You ruined me with that song. But uh, the reality is that, no, we're not always going to be happy. But how do we overcome those moods? Like, we can't stop the moods from always coming. But it sure be nice to know how to overcome it. It sure be nice to know that, hey, I feel irritated. I feel anxiety. I feel depressed. I feel discouraged. And so how can I overcome it? Because if you're like me, If you're discouraged enough, you don't feel like eating, you don't feel like getting your work done, you don't feel like being kind and sweet to your wife, you don't feel like doing anything with your children, you just feel like, I want to go in a cave somewhere and just be alone. I just, I don't want to be around the world. I just want to lock myself in the room and just let the world go by because I'm just in a mood and here 
who suffers? While you're suffering, everybody else is suffering. The job will suffer. The relationship with your children will suffer. The relationship with your spouse will suffer. There's so many things that are affected. If we don't decide, wait a minute, if these moods are going to come, there's got to be a way that I can overcome these moods. So this morning, we're talking about the joy genome. Because, and if you want to write this down, you cannot have a positive life and a negative mind. You cannot have a positive life and a negative mind. Let's go to the Word of God this morning. And if we can, can we all stand as we read a few verses? Let's all stand this morning. And we'll read beginning in verse number 4 of chapter 4. And we'll read down through verse number 13. And on verse number 13, get ready. We're going to read verse number 13 in unison. Many of you have this verse memorized. So for some of you, this will be really easy, all right? So I'll read verses 4 through 12. And then you join me on verse number 13, okay? Here's what the word of God says. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts. That word keep means to guard your heart. The peace of God will guard your heart. The heart in Bible times was the seat of the emotions. Every emotion came through the heart. We say, I love you with all my heart. And we'll say, man, I'm just, I'm just bitter in my heart. Or I just feel that you just broke my heart. We even today, we believe that. So the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, the peace that God gives, it's like a century, like a guard. Somebody that says, no, that's not coming in. For many of us, that right there is a highlight underscore it because that's wonderful to know that the peace of God guards your heart to says no 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 that emotion's not coming in no no that's not coming in I'm not allowing that that right there we could pray and go home we just meditated on the power in that verse alone but I want to give you what you paid for so we're going to keep going all right so verse number seven says and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Remember, think on these things. You cannot have a positive life and a negative mind. So think on these things. And then, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Let's read verse 13 together. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, before you sit down, you got to find five people and say good morning to them. Find five people and say good morning before you sit down. You got to find five people. Tell them good morning. Five people. Don't cheat on me. Don't go to four. Don't stop on three. You got to find five. Don't be antisocial this morning. Find five people. Give them some love. Once you find your five people, you can sit down. The joy genome. 
If God says there is a guard that I will post around your heart that will guard your heart from these emotions, what is that guard? And I'm going to give you three points right off the bat for some of you that are uh, OCD. This is going to be great for you. You're just going to get this thing out of the way because last week you were annoyed because we didn't get through all the notes, and that just irks you that we just didn't get to fill in all the blanks. Some of you, you're on it. You just fill in all those blanks, and then on the way out, you leave it at the table like, hey, I want to grade on this or something. So I found last week, every week, somebody just sets their notes on there, and I'm like, you know, as long as they're filling in the blanks, not adding stuff, you know, so that's fine. And uh, so here we go. First point, engage. First point is engage. Second one, equip. Engage starts with E, equip. And then thirdly, enjoy. Those are the three words we're going to talk about. Normally, I have all kinds of long things, but those are the three words that we're going to deal with this morning. How to engage, how to equip, and how to enjoy. Because when it comes to the joy genome, you need to engage it, you need to equip it, and then you can enjoy it. And that's what we want. We want to engage this in our hearts, in our lives, because God says it's there. And if it's there, it's a gift that we can take, but we need to partake of it. So we've got to engage. We've got to equip it. We've got to work because the Apostle Paul, he says, I've learned this. And I love the fact that he said he learned. How many of you struggle with some stuff in your Christian life? We've got some honest people here. Amen. All right, good. I, I knew I went to a good church. Man, I'm so glad you guys came and started this thing. This is just awesome. All right. So uh, he's saying, I'm, I'm learning some stuff, and that's helpful for you and I. We're going to start a series on prayer for four weeks because I struggle with my prayer life. And it's good to know that other people struggle with something you might struggle with because then we know that we're in this together. And so here the Apostle Paul said, hey, this didn't come natural, people. This is something I had to learn. So he had to equip it. And then we're going to see how he enjoyed it. So let's start with number one, equip, engage. You see, our actions are a direct result of our thoughts. And so many of us are passive about our thoughts. Our actions are a direct result of our thoughts. But so many people were passive about our thoughts. We're not engaging our minds. We just kind of want to check out. We just want to step back and just kind of let whatever come in our minds that we want. Some of you, you won't let gluten in your diet, but you'll let grumbling in your diet. You'll let that go in. You're so careful about what you feed your children, but then when it comes to whatever you allow in your mind, that's just kind of open season. It's kind of any thought, you just kind of entertain it. And we need to say, wait a minute, I'm going to engage my mind. I'm not just going to let thoughts. And that's the thing that I've noticed today uh, with the different styles of music. There's different things. Um, Don't judge me or anything. Don't hate on me. I was listening to Little Owl City this past week, and I was listening to that kind of music, and I was like, you know what? This kind of music just makes your mind just kind of check out. And you're saying, well, that's why I listen to music, because I just kind of check out, and I I, I like that. I like the reprieve. The only problem is that creates a vacuum for other thoughts that aren't healthy, that you're not controlling, just allow in your mind. Because there's no blank space in your mind. There's not just like... I've reached nirvana where it's just empty space and there's nothing. And I'm just, oh, you know, no, no, no. There's always something going on. Your brain is always active. But what happens is we fill that space often with something negative that happened at work. We replay in our mind an argument we had. We replay something bad because our minds, if we go passive, if we don't engage our minds, our minds tend to meditate and reflect on things that aren't healthy for us. And so too often we just go passive when we need to engage. And so many of us, we're blaming our situation on our circumstances instead of dealing with the 
source. And the source for a lot of our issues is not around us. It's in us, and it starts with our mind. The mind is the filter. The mind is the source, all right? And the source means everything. We're big on the source. Um, you would drink water out of a water bottle. That's no problem. You came in this morning, grabbed a water bottle, you'd drink it. The problem would be if I said, hey, the source from where that water came from, it was filtered through a trash can, and then we put it in the water bottle to say, oh, great. The problem is the source. You, the source is not good. That's why you wouldn't walk up into the mountains and just say, hey, I'm going to pick some, some stream. I want to make sure the source is clean. I want to deal with the source. And so when it comes to things like this, we often don't get to the source of it. We like to just kind of tiptoe around things. We'll take a sedative for our symptoms instead of getting a solution. What we need this morning is not a sedative. It's not a rah, rah, pump you up, just go to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, let's go, and then leave. That's, that's not. Apostle Paul says, let's deal with the 10 chapters before Philippians 4.13. Because I can tell you there's sports teams across America that they'll put Philippians 4.13. But I'm telling you what, they are just, the way they live, the way they behave, the way they think does not reflect Philippians 4.13. Because Philippians 4.13 is a mindset. And we miss that. We miss that. I can do all things through Christ is a mindset. This is not just a chant. This is not something the Apostle Paul said, you know what? I want one day in the Super Bowl that they put my verse in there. That's why I'm going to write this verse. No, no, no. He was writing to Christians who said, you need a new mindset. Because your mindset right now is a negative one. And a negative mindset will never give you a positive life. So he said Philippians 4.13 is key to having a right mindset. And Christians, if we are going to grow and if we are going to overcome what overcomes us, what's coming over us, we've got to understand that Philippians 4.13 is a mindset that we engage with let's not check out let's engage that's why we need to think about what we're thinking about that we stop and we pause and we're going to get to verse number eight where it says whatsoever things are lovely and just and pure think on these things the apostle paul is going to tell you what to think on because your thoughts are so powerful they can control how you feel they can control bodily functions and reactions i've used the illustration before i'll use it again if this morning you start to think of your favorite restaurant and if you're hungry and you start to think of your favorite restaurant and then you start to think of your favorite food your mouth will begin to salivate you don't see the food. You don't smell the food. It's the power of your mind. You know your mind is so powerful, you can start being upset with somebody who's done nothing to you. Your mind will just play this job, this mind tricks on you, where all of a sudden you think that person's my enemy, that person's out to get me, when they've done nothing. They've done nothing. Um, text messages are a funny thing, aren't they? You can misread a text message. So much is lost in translation. Um, that's why I'm always sending the little emoticons. And you say, why do you send the emoticons? Because I want them to know the tone. The, everything's about the tone, right? We want to make sure we have the right tone. And so, so much can be lost. You can look at a text message, and you can get the wrong message, and you can think, wait a minute, they're, they're upset. They're mad. Why did they want to meet? What? And the other person's thinking, I just want to hang out with you. But they just said, hey, can we meet up? And you're like, why? What did I do? Are they going to chew me out? Is this something bad? Is this something good? So, so I put a smiley face, thumbs up, high five, whatever. Some guys may think that's really feminine and didn't want my man card. I don't care because I want people to know the tone of this because I want them to know that, hey, that I'm going to guard these thoughts because what we think about, we need to think about what we're thinking about because what guides my thinking will guide my living. What, what guides my thinking will guide my living. 
That's everything just flows through that. The mind is the forerunner of all our actions. Before you did something, most of the time you thought about it. Sometimes you're like, I wasn't even thinking. I just did it. I just bought it. I just walked into the Harley store, honey, and I just bought the Buell. I'm sorry, $17,000 is gone. I don't know what I was thinking, you know. And uh, the reality is we were thinking something. We were thinking I want it. That's all we were thinking about. It's not like the blank space and we just check out. No, we need to understand that the mind is the forerunner of all our actions. So what is the flow of your thoughts? What is the flow of your thoughts? You say, what do you mean? The flow. The Apostle Paul gives us a flow of what our thoughts should be in verse number eight. He says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. The the thing that we kind of miss about those verses, when you study them, each two, he mentions six different pairs. The first two have to do with your thinking. The next two have to do with your living. The other two have to do with your reputation. Isn't that interesting? The Apostle Paul wasn't just saying, hey, just think on these. He was saying, no, 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 there's more to it than this. Because as a man thinks is how he's going to behave. So I want to you to understand that your thinking will affect your behavior and your behavior affects your reputation. So he's saying, let's take care of the whole thing. He said, this is why it's so powerful that we have right thinking. This is why it's so powerful in the church that you and I, we guard our minds and our hearts with that filter. We put a filter on it. We put a guard on it because Satan is after any little toehold he can get in our hearts and lives. He's looking for just the smallest little bit and he'll wreak havoc. I'm amazed at how much damage Satan can do is so little. But if we are leaving ourselves unguarded, he'll take advantage of it. So let's guard our mind. So what is the flow? How has the flow of your thinking been this week? I don't know about you, but when we were uh, little, we had a swimming pool, and we would make a whirlpool. I had six other siblings, and so all of us, we could go one way, and we would just get this whirlpool going. And you would just, the whole time, you're just circling the pool, circling the pool, circling the pool. All of a sudden, that water starts getting kind of choppy in one way, and then you would get out, and then you'd get like a little boogie board or something. You would jump on it, and you'd just cruise around. But the hard part was when they said, go against the current, and you jump in, and you're trying to fight that current, and you're like, nope, can't do it. Some of you with your thinking, God says, I have wired you, I have designed you to think positive thoughts. That's why we have 90% of our hospital visits are stress-related, because stress causes stomach ulcers, it causes migraine headaches, it causes health issues. Why? Because your body knows that you're thinking you aren't wired, you aren't programmed like that, and your body will have negative reactions to it. There is a flow, there is a cycle for your life, and it's not just good as a Christian to follow these, it's good for your health. And if you just say, I just want proper health, then you just fix the diet of your mind, the flow of your thoughts. So is your thoughts going against the flow? Is your thoughts always negative? Is your thoughts always judgmental? Are your thoughts always trying to figure out what's their angle? What's their motive? Why did they really do that? And why is that person being like this? And I'm such a failure, and I'm so dumb, and I'm so stupid, and how could I do that? And listening to thoughts of the devil and listening to thoughts of just uh, uh, that are coming to your mind that are negative, and you're wondering why is my life turning out negative? Because you're going against the natural flow of your thoughts. Your thoughts should follow a, a godly flow. But too often we think critical, suspicious, judgmental, and negative thoughts. And those should be abnormal for a Christian. It should be abnormal. Normal thinking is Philippians 4.8. 
So the question this morning, has your thinking this past week been in line with Philippians 4.8? Imagine every conversation, if you just said Philippians 4.8 before you, you went into a conversation. Imagine before you posted something online, if you just thought of Philippians 4.8. Like, hey, I'm about to say this online for the whole world to see, so why don't I make sure this is edifying? Why don't I make sure this is just? Why don't I make sure this is helpful, that this is lovely, that this is pure? Why don't I check that? Why not that be the filter before I go and do this? So the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, you want that joy genome? You want to enjoy life? You want Philippians 4.13? Hey, it starts here. Let's engage. Engage your minds. You see, because it's so important what we put in our mind. In college, I let somebody borrow my awesome, amazing 1984 white Honda Accord. The, um, uh, it would overheat, so the heater would come on. I've told you all about that. And he borrowed it, and uh, he said, hey, I, I decided to fill it up. And that's always a plus when somebody borrows your car, fills it up. Except back then, diesel was cheaper than unleaded. He filled it up for me, but he put diesel in it. How many of you n- know that it matters what you put in the tank? Yeah. The same is true with your life. It's not going to run properly. He was like, yeah, I just don't know why your car's smoking like that the whole way back. Just kind of clunk, 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 clunk. And I was like, oh, idiot. You know, it's just like, what are you thinking? You know, and it's just kind of like, oh, so mad. But it's like, it matters what we put in our life. It matters what you put in your life. And if you are saturating your mind with even, I'm not going to get on a rant about TV shows and music or anything like that. But there are certain TV shows that I just say, that's not going to help my thinking. There are certain things on, online, there are certain people that they're not going to help my thinking. It's not, it's not, no, I've got to be careful what goes in this mind. I'm going to put that guard. I'm not just going to allow things in. I'm going to be guarding my mind. I'm going to engage. But then we've got to equip. In verse number 11, the Apostle Paul said, in whatsoever state, that means mood, whatever mood I've learned. He's saying, I've learned how to deal with my moods. That's it. This is where we should perk up and say, I want help there. I want to know how to deal with my moods. I want to know that, hey, when I'm at work, even though something negative, even something bad happens, I still got to get stuff done. And when I'm at home, I still want to engage with my children. This week it was my children's birthday, and there were some things going on. And I kept telling myself, engage. Engage with your children. Engage with them. You don't get this moment back. So no matter what else is going, shut that out for a little bit and engage with them. But what happens is when you've got a lot of stuff on your mind, it distracts you. And it diverts your attention. And you can't do anything about it anyway. But all of a sudden, your mind is over here. And when your mind is checked out, you can't engage in the cute moments that your children are doing. You can't engage with your beautiful spouse. And you can't interact with them because your mind is elsewhere. So it matters that we equip. So the Apostle Paul said, in whatsoever state, whatever mood I'm in, I've learned. I've learned something. He said, I've learned how to deal with it. We've got to learn how do we deal with our thinking and what we need to stop doing is stop looking for a technique and start listening to truth too many times we just want a quick fix don't we we just want the quick technique what's something so what we'll do is oh let me if i just go watch a funny movie that'll that'll help my thinking no that's just a technique that doesn't last Uh, if i just take this medication and i'm not against medication i'm just saying that's a technique it just doesn't last I want something that lasts. Yeah, let's find something that helps us get through. You need something that helps you get through. But the alcoholic that keeps going back to alcohol doesn't last. The drug addict that keeps going back to heroin, it doesn't last. And so they go deeper and they go deeper. And so we don't need a technique. You don't need another technique this morning. There are more self-help books. That's one of the leading industries in literature right now is the self-help movement. It's the largest section in any bookstore is the self-help because we're all about self-help. We're all 
all about technique. And somebody's going to write another book tomorrow that's going to be on the New York Times bestseller list on a new technique. Techniques are a dime a dozen. What you need is the truth, the word of God. Because Satan is going to try to get into your heart and try to rule your heart through lies. Where the Holy Spirit controls our minds through truth. Thy word is truth. And we need to go back to truth this morning. So I want to overemphasize that what we want to deal with is truth. What is truth? How do we deal with truth? How do we handle truth? So stop looking for a quick fix. Stop looking for a technique. And let's look deeper. Let's look for something that lasts. And truth from the word of God is something that lasts. And we need to understand that peace is not a gift. It's a fruit and has to be grown. He said, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts. But I began to think about peace this week. Because don't we all want peace? Don't we all want to be able to pillow our head at night with a soul that is light as a feather? With a mind that is relaxed? With a mind that's not stressed, it's not burdened? That we can, even if it was just four hours of sleep, it's such restful sleep, we just wake up and we just start singing sound of music the hills are alive i don't know what you sing in the morning i don't know and uh, you just wake up and everybody's like what happened what are you on i want some where is your dealer you know i mean there's just something about you where you're just thinking no i'm at peace but then the more i begin to think about peace and we all want peace what are we told as christians pray for the peace of israel we're told to pray for peace but then i began to study where peace comes from see Peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Fruit has to be grown. But some of us, we're praying, God, give me peace, give me peace, give me peace. I need it now, 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 now. As we filled our mind with all this junk. And then we're saying, God, I want this fruit. But fruit has to have time to mature, has to have time to grow. And some of you that may be struggling with things, you need to understand that if you haven't been working and cultivating peace in your life, it's not going to happen overnight. This is not a gift that God just pressed, oh, you got peace now. It's something that we develop. Now, we have the seed inside of us, but we have to grow that seed. We have to develop that where peace is now ruling and reigning. That's why the Bible says, let the peace of God rule and reign in your hearts. When we have that fruit that's over in abundance, where we've tasted that, where we've seen that come into our lives. You know, some of my favorite Bible stories in the Bible, you may think this is silly, aren't about great deeds. They're not about um, uh, last minute um, where God comes in and just parts the Red Sea. Um, it's not even so much the comebacks. I had a series that I taught years ago. It was all about the, the, the underdogs, the, the comebacks in the Bible. And that's just awesome to just talk about all these people who made the comeback and uh, all the overcomers. And the ultimate comeback is Jesus busting out of the tomb. That's my favorite one. Everybody counted him out and thought he was dead, but he made the ultimate comeback and just kind of ended. It's a great series. And um, now I've already told you we can't use it, so no, never mind. It kind of stinks. But uh, my favorite topics to kind of look at have to do with sleep. Sleep. I don't know about you. I enjoy sleep. Probably way too much. Any any sleep lovers this morning? Some of you are like, yeah, I just woke up because you made me raise my hand. I mean, we just enjoy sleep. There's so many great stories in the Bible all about sleep. And it's fascinating because when these people are sleeping, I'm interested by what's not happening to them, but what's happening around them. Because every time they go to sleep, you see somebody sleeping, there's all kinds of stuff happening around them. And they're sleeping right in the middle of it. 
Jesus, when did he fall asleep? On a boat in the middle of a storm. All this stuff raging on around him. And he is just at peace and asleep. And some of you, that's what you want. You want to know that hell can be blowing all around me. But yet I can still rest secure in the fact that Jesus is on the throne, that he is ruling and reigning, and it's going to be okay. I love it. Not only that, but then I also look at other stories. There's Peter. Peter had watched the, um, as Stephen had just been stoned and executed. Uh, James, the pastor of the first church, had also been executed. And then they got Peter, and they wanted to execute him. Peter's in prison. He's chained to a Roman guard. And uh, the angel is going to take him out of the prison. But before the angel does that, the angel has to first wake Peter up. Peter's on death row. Now, here's the thing about Peter. The last time they tried to take Peter, he had a sword, and he cut a dude's ear off. So Peter's not this passive guy. He's not the uh, relaxed kind of guy. I see Peter kind of like, God, you, you, you saw what I've been doing for you. I mean, did you, did you catch the last sermon I preached? 3,000 people got saved. Come on. I mean, yeah, I feel like you kind of owe me. Look at all I'm doing for you. But no, Peter's not doing that. Peter's just at peace, just calm. But then there's also another one that I really like. Daniel in the lion's den. There was a king, and the king was fearful for Daniel. Because Daniel was living justly. Daniel was doing right. He had a clear conscience, and Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. The king can't sleep all night. He couldn't sleep. He had a call for someone to read some records just to calm his spirit. He couldn't sleep. And the next morning at daybreak, he runs, and he yells down into where the lion's den was. And I've got to read it to you. Here's what he said. Verse number 19, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste under the den of lions. Very early in the morning is between 2 and 4 a.m. That's very early in the morning. That is kill your clock, kill yourself in the morning. That's just like, why are you up? You know, that's just you don't want to be up. And he went in haste under the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. He thinks this guy's dead. He's a goner. And then he says, when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest, continually able to deliver thee from the lions? And it's funny that he asked that question. Is he able? He, the king didn't know. He didn't know if God was strong enough to save him. So he asked the question. And then you just think, dramatic pause. Like if I was Daniel, I would have messed with the king just for a little bit. Just like not say anything. And the king starts crying. I, I, I was talking with one of the managers. We were talking about the third Indiana Jones, where Indiana Jones goes over the cliff. And Sean Connery, I've lost him. You know, he's, he's lamenting that he's lost him. And um, he's, he's, he's waxing eloquent as Indiana Jones walks behind him, just standing there. It's a funny part. My wife's never seen it. We're going to have a little marathon. If you want to come over, we'll see it, you know. I told her, I don't know if our relationship's going to work out. You haven't seen all the Indiana Jones movie. You know, the fourth one, you can skip. But this one, eh, you know, it's kind of important. So Daniel instead, he doesn't have that kind of sense of humor. Verse 21, he said, then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. That's what we want, Christians, isn't it? To know that there is a peace that we can have in the midst of any struggle, in the midst of anything that's raging around us, that we can sleep. It's sad when a Christian says, I can't sleep. Because the Bible says in Psalms 127, it is vain to rise up early. Amen. Some of you just got a new life verse. 
I'm telling you, that's good. It is vain. It is empty. It is useless. It is dumb. I think that's what the Bible says. That's my interpretation. And to sit up late. Oh, sorry, guys. Some of you, you get up late and you stay up late. No, no, no. It's vain to get up early and it's vain to stay up late. So uh, he's saying normal times here. To eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. The gift that God does give is sleep. That restful, calm, your heart is at ease, sleep. You and I should have a mind that thinks on things where we understand that, wait a minute, God is in control. I had a pastor friend remind me this week. He said, you know what? Look, I just remember there is a sovereign God. He is ruling and reigning. He has not stepped off that throne. He's in control of politics. He's in control of any power. He is in control of anything at play, anything that's going on in your life. He is in control. And this is where it gets really exciting because God is in control. He keeps the garrison of my heart. He guards it. So if you don't have peace this morning, I'm telling you it's time to engage our minds, filter through those thoughts, equip yourselves with this gift of peace. Let God grow this in your life, this gift, this this thing that God wants to develop inside of you. And then worry. Worry is thinking you can honestly solve your own problems. Too many times I see people just worrying about things. You see, if you're waiting to have nothing to worry about before you stop worrying, you'll be waiting a long time. And some of you are saying, well, well, I, I just have to worry about it. It doesn't do anything. You see, worry is just means to, tempt and to torment oneself with disturbing thoughts. That's all worry is, to torment yourself with disturbing thoughts. That's all worry does. And some of us, we replay things we can't change, we can't do anything about. And we just worry ourselves over things. Oh, what's going to happen in the economy? Oh, what's going to happen in the election? Oh, what's going to happen? Do your part, but then don't worry about the rest. Let it go. And once you do that, then you can, verse number 14, you can enjoy. You see, the Apostle Paul, he says, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things, not some things. I can do all things because my mindset has changed. And my mindset has changed. Now I can enjoy some things because now I understand I may not be in control. I'm not in control, but it doesn't mean I'm out of control because God is ultimately in control. So I can enjoy life. So some of you, you're not enjoying life to the fullest like you should because your mind is so negative you can't have a positive life. And you're wondering why you're just not enjoying yourself. There should be something where you say, I enjoy my family. I enjoy my church. I enjoy my job. I enjoy the life that God has given me. I may not have everything I want. I may not have everything I hope to get. I may not have the house that I one day want. I may not be exactly the Christian I want to be, but I can still enjoy myself. There still should be some things to enjoy. The Bible says God hath given all things so that we may richly enjoy them. But too often, I meet so many Christians, they are not enjoying the life that God has given them. They're always looking for the next thing. They're, 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 they're never understanding that, wait a minute, I can enjoy right now. I can enjoy this moment. This is funny. This is, you're probably going to think this is really stupid. I worked with horses for a long time, and I, I like riding horses, and I like doing that stuff. My best memories, one of those memories where it's just like awesome, five in the morning, riding a horse with nobody around in the forest. Five in the morning, early. Sun just coming up over the Tennessee Blue Mountains. I was like, this is it. This is it. That, for me, I was just like, I don't need a nice car. I don't need a big house. It was at that moment where I understood it was the simplest thing in life that my heart was full. But some of you may be thinking, if I just have that car, then I'll truly enjoy life. But for some of you, you need that mindset shift, the mindset shift, where you say, 
that I can enjoy right now. This is a good moment. You ever just stop and just watch your wife? Just stare at her and just think, wow, what a, what a blessing God has given me. You ever just look at your kids just playing and just be like, man, this is a good moment. You ever just grab your spouse's hand and just say, you know what? This is good. Life is good. Just share a yogurt land or something and just, ah, this is good. Just those little moments. I know it's awesome to have those. We went to Paris and we took a cruise and we, we bought a Corvette and we, you know, we, we, we hired a private jet and it was awesome. Those, those are great. I'm not against those. But I honestly believe some of your best moments, the moments you remember the most, are the actually the simplest. My wife and I, we have a favorite memory is when we were first married. And everybody has those first married stories in the one-bedroom apartment. You know how it goes. We're starting on nothing. We're living on love, you know. And um, we had cheese crackers. Cheese Whiz, we would never buy that now. She won't let me have it. So if you buy it for me, it's okay. But she would never let me have it now. But we would just sit by her bed, not even on the bed, just sitting by her bed, talking till however late in the morning, just cheese whiz on some crackers. And it seems so silly, but those were just such good moments we could have just enjoyed. You see, Satan is going to try to get you to believe that unless you have this, unless you reach that status, that you can't enjoy your life. It's not, it's not true, church. God has so much more for us to enjoy. And we can enjoy it because we realize, because I can do all things through Christ, our problems are never bigger than God's plan. Your problems are never bigger than God's plan. Just mark that down. And when you start getting worried, you start feeling anxiety, you just write that down on a note card, put it in your car, put it on your mirror, that no problem is bigger than God's plan. God saw this. God didn't look over heaven and say, Gabriel, oops, we messed up. Hurry, get some angels down there quick. God's not doing that. That's not what he's doing. God is saying, it's all right. I'm in control. Nothing is too big. It's not bigger than God's plan. God's plan for you, the Bible says this, the thoughts that I have towards you are thoughts of peace. That's what God has towards you. God isn't looking down and saying, oh, man, I hate you, waiting for you to walk around a corner to whack you with a baseball bat because you may have done one thing wrong. That's not what God's doing. God is saying, no, no, I've got something great for you. I've got something big for you. Next, write this one down. What God wants to do through me is bigger than what anyone could ever do to me. What God wants to do through me. The Philippians said, I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ. He's saying, I, what God wants to do through me, it's bigger than what anybody could ever do to me. And you may have somebody in your life right now that just seems like they're just rubbing you the wrong way. They're just doing things to you right now. And you're just thinking, man, if that person would just go away, this would be so much easier, just so much simpler. But God is saying, no, no, I got, I got something. Philippians 4.13, you can handle this. We always tack on Philippians 4.13 to the football game. We always tackle it when we're in the gym. I can do all things through Christ. Oh, yes, I got 25 pounds on the bench press. Yes, I did it. Awesome. Don't judge. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. No, I'm just kidding. And we just, we, we look at it as these things we accomplished. I accomplished. I climbed this mountain. I rode across the states in my bicycle in Philippians 4.13. How about Philippians 4.13 and the angry boss? I can work at this job. Philippians 4.13. I can, I can do all things through Christ. How about you got a messy situation in your family? Philippians 4.13, that. Oh, no, we don't like that, do we? We just got some real preaching now. We don't, no, 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 that, that only goes to, I need to, I need to accomplish something. Philippians 4.13, I'm going to get this bonus, I'm going to get the sales, I'm going to do this. No, how about Philippians 4.13, when you and your spouse have an argument? You know what, I can resolve this. 
I don't want to deal with this the right way, but I have Philippians 4.13. God will give me the humility. God will give me the grace. God will give me the peace to deal with this in the right way. Philippians 4.13. That's where we can enjoy life. There's an old restaurant. We don't have it here. We have Long John Silver's. East Coast, they have Captain D's. Anybody ever heard of Captain D's? Hey, we have some people that know Captain D's. Long John Silver's and Captain D's are kind of the same company, just like Carl's Jr. and Hardee's, all right? You got Hardee's on the East Coast. We got Carl's Jr. here, same company. And, um, well, they were having a problem because they would use Atlantic cod for their fish. That's what they served. It was Atlantic cod. The only problem was they would get, they wanted the cod fresh. They wanted this Atlantic cod fresh, and they wanted to, they wanted to bring this from upstate, you know, United States and, and bring it to their factory and distribution. And so they got these huge tanker trucks, and they said, we're going to put the Atlantic cod live into these tankers to go to the, to go and not iced, and we're going to bring them to the factory, and then we'll process it there. The thing they didn't know was that by the time that they got from the ocean to the factory, the warehouse, all the Atlantic cod died. The jostling, the motion, it just, it did something. They all, everything was dead. They were just losing all this fish, and when the fish is dead, it, the taste is all bad. You, you, right when you kill it, then you kind of want to prepare it and serve it. You don't want it to be dead for a couple days, and then you try to serve it. it the taste is horrible. So they didn't know what to do, and they, they got all the team of science and the engineers. They said, we don't know what to do. Finally, they went back to where they're, they're getting this Atlantic cod, and they said, what you need is you need to put this certain kind of salmon, one salmon, in the tank. You guys are like, why? Because this salmon is the enemy of the Atlantic cod, and this salmon eats the Atlantic cod. They said, well, we don't want to eat it. He said, no, no, no. What it'll do is those fish, because they're in the truck, they stop moving and die. That Atlantic cod will keep those fish moving, keep things working, keep things circulating so they keep going. And so sure enough, they put that fish in there, took them to the warehouse, the fish lived. You're looking at somebody in your life, you're looking at a problem, you're looking at a solution like, God, why would you put that in my life? They're just irritating me. And God's saying, no, you need that right now. You need that right now. Because Philippians 4.13 will never be real to you until you understand that you've got this person, you've got this situation, you've got this. Philippians 4.13 is not just to get a touchdown. I'm tired of it. Philippians 4.13 is scored a hockey goal. Are you kidding me? That's all that's for? I'm tired of that, that we've relegated Philippians 4.13 to sports teams and cheerleaders. God bless them. Amen. they good. But I never hear Christians doing that. Except for Philippians 4.13, I, I, I'll go and be an usher. Uh, good. That's, that's, so, that's, that's like you saying, hey, I'm going to get a forklift to go lift one of my kids' toys up. It, it's like, no, that's such a, a power tool. It's a powerhouse for your Christian life. And we use it. And I'm sure God looks down thinking, Man, I wrote this powerful verse to apply to life's most difficult circumstances. The Apostle Paul is in jail rotting. And he said, Philippians 4.13. He said, I'm in jail and I can rot here. Because I can do all things through Christ. He said, I can enjoy this. I can go through this. We as a church, we're going to go through some stuff. And it's we're in our darkest hour that we need to claim Philippians 4.13. Not when we're in our highlight when things seem to be at their worst. That's when we say, God, Philippians 4.13, I'm good. Got marriage problems, problems with your children, problems with your job, problems with your coworker, whatever the issue. That's 